thing Welcome is, to if the- you had a- <laughs> oh, <sorry>. <laughs> Normally <laughs> we do the intro and then we do the banter. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Welcome to The Commute, where we relive all things TV and film. This week we are talking about dumb money. I'm not sure if everyone's aware of this because I had kind of a sneaky intro at the end of last year into into screens around the country and, and streamers. I just watched it on a flight, Ruben. But we are talking about the movie Dumb Money, which is a retelling of the GameStop saga, the GameStop story. Do we need to explain what it is to some people? Mate, I think we should. But by the way, what was the flight you took for your to watch this? I was important. getting getting away from Jeffrey Epstein's island. The, the list was coming out and <laughs> like probably shouldn't be there. <laughs> uh, we, you know I was what? in the Caribbean, actually. But, if you had a um, famous yeah. friend, if you had a really rich friend, like a really rich friend, right, who's famous, mm. who said, hey, dude, come on my private island and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you'd probably go, right? And yeah. then later, if you found out this guy was a serial pedophile and trafficker, you obviously wouldn't still be his friend. No. But how would you know at the time? I'm not still friends with everyone that I've met in my travels. You know, I've learned more about some of them. And Do any of them have islands? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, well, so, so what was your flight back? Because it's, it's, I think flight films are in context. It makes a difference where you're flying back. Was it a long Ooh, flight? Four hours. Four, four and a bit hours. With a kid, you don't really watch a lot of TV. So the fact that on the flight down- I actually got to watch Dumb Money was a massive surprise. We've had a few flights in the last year and I haven't watched anything on a on a plane for a while. So it's part of why I'm very jazzed to have this episode because we unexpectedly have yeah. something to talk about. I watched Dumb Money in the cinema. I was a cinema goer. Do you do you agree with my take that this came in a little bit under the radar or is Massively, it just me that yeah. yeah. I I think they released it first and foremost, let's say it's good movie, really good movie. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it. It definitely went under the radar. It started, I think it's because they released it, but I don't, I think they released it around, I think it was around Thanksgiving when they released it. So it's one of those people had a lot of other things going on. And so it wasn't like in your face as much as an Oppenheimer or a Barbie or any of the summer releases. Mm. But my wife and I went to watch it in the cinema. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I didn't even realize how good of a cast was in it. Pete Davidson, which we love. Vincent D'Onofrio, the SVU guy, America Ferrara, Nick Offerman, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier, Seth yep. Rogen. Yeah. Yep. It's actually was- a really stacked deck in terms- And also, Paul Dano as the main guy. Dano. Dano is like, he's, he's also a little bit under the radar. He's an under the radar, very, very good actor. Yeah. He was the Riddler in Batman, if you remember the he's latest He's the Riddler Batman. in Batman. All everyone wants to do is unmask you, but they're missing the point. You and I both know. I'm looking at the real you right now. My mask allowed me to be myself completely. No shame. No limits. He was also the son in There Will Be Blood, if you don't remember. Yes, yes, yeah. You're right. Oh, he yeah, he yeah. had his milkshake drunk by Daniel Day Lewis. He's he's very very good, but I think he's sort of the guy that pops into he pops into very select films. 
good cast. I, I did say up the top, should we explain what the movie is? But then I remembered the whole point of this podcast is you are listening if you've seen it, so we don't have to. Well, explain I'll, I'll do a quick explanation because yeah. I do think I think it was the retelling of the GameStop saga, where basically GameStop, which is a fledgling company, <laughs> all of a sudden their stock just went skyrocketing because a guy who is a Reddit who was on a Reddit forum decided it was a Reddit forum around you know, buying stocks, decided that it was going to be the stock he wanted to buy, did a bunch of analysis, which to be fair, probably in his view was solid, but in the market's view, I when I say the markets, the big bank view was not He just solid. likes the stock. He just And he stock. just liked the stock. And then he got a whole bunch of people around him who also liked the stock. Hence, it became the, the first real meme stock that blew up. So- Speaking of liking the stock, how close to this were you when it was happening? Because for me, I knew it was happening. Obviously, it was in the news. I was working at GameStop. Mate. You were working at GameStop. <laughs> but like, I knew there was a Reddit meme viral thing going on, but I wasn't actually looking at it day to day because I remember when watching the movie, I watched it with Jess and she was like, oh, they got all the stuff- they got all the terminology in here that's happening. And a lot of it, I had no idea what it was. Like the one where he he talks about tendies and they start yeah, yeah, calling yeah. him the tendy man. So I was I, I never was knew familiar. that. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah. familiar because when it happened, I got super interested. And you know me, I'm a fucking cynic, right? So I I look at this, I still look at it as it's a meme, like a ridiculous thing that happened. Mm. Um, and the reality is GameStop Stank GameStop is a stupid company at that Game Stank. <laughs> Game Stank. GameStop is not a company that was worth what happened, but it's super fascinating how when you get a crowd of people around you who all and that's how the market works, right? If a lot of people start mm. buying stuff, the stock goes up. So I was I got super involved and super I, I didn't buy anything myself, but I, I looked at it when it happened. So I was familiar with the terms like tendies and a whole bunch of other things. And as for me, I like the stock. And I don't plan on selling anytime soon. Diamond hands, baby. But it was super fascinating because I was working at a bank. So I could see it from the perspective of people who were in the quote unquote institutional side, which is the Seth Rogen role here, which is the the establishment who don't like the idea of a whole bunch of people getting together, quote unquote, dumb money, right? Like real retail, mum and pop, regular people getting involved to buy stock. I also didn't know that. I didn't know that those rich cunts call, part of my language, call people like us, the retail investors, dumb money, which that hurt a little bit. Also, <laughs> yeah. did you just out we yourself as part of the establishment? No, I wasn't though, mate. I wasn't part of the establishment <laughs> because I'm also dumb money. I, I'm just, I'm just- I know enough to know what the establishment, how, how how much more information the establishment has over the rest of us. You might be dumb money. I am the dumbest money. I think I'm the only person since the pandemic to lose money on every stock that I bought on Robinhood <laughs> in the last three years. <laughs> did you buy? Did you buy any meme stock? Because it's around the time the meme stock 
also it also happens obviously around the time pandemic happens, right? Where everyone's mm. at home. And this is one of the things that was documented really well, which is part of the reason why this happens is because everyone's at home during the pandemic. Mm. A lot of and when everyone's income. at home, everyone yeah. and also a lot of disposable time to be able to like sit there and what am I gonna do with my time when I'm sitting at home all alone? Oh, I'm gonna like start playing the market. And this is what happens. So but that's also when Bitcoin and a whole a whole host of cryptocurrencies fly for the same reason. Yeah. I, I mean on, on top of that it's worth mentioning there's definitely an element of community in this, obviously, right? Like beyond just time and money, there was a community, a movement here that people felt a part of, which was pretty awesome. Not something yeah. I was a part of or you were a part of, but like that's part of why this was such a great movement was, you know, in a time where a lot of people were separated physically from other people, there was this community aspect, which was really awesome. I thought yeah. the way they told the story, like in the movie, was so much fun. Yeah, know? I thought it was I thought it was great. I also think it's a really good example of like if you get a bunch of people together and you get enough critical mass to buy a stock, a stock will go up. And that's kind of what it is, right? It's just that in the before before the internet and before the way this world the the way this all works the volume and the money sits with a whole bunch of big banks. And this was the first mm. time where the volume and the money sat with a bunch of just people. Isn't it just so satisfying watching the rich people, the hedge fund guys, the VC guys, whatever they are in this movie, just squirm over the losses? Like it's so- Can I just say something? This yeah. is also another like, this is about the movie now, not about like the yeah. macro stuff. Seth Rogen, really good hedge fund guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to see him in another movie where he plays a hedge fund guy. He's a really yeah. fun guy to watch in like that setting. Even it's the opening scene where he's running from one massive property to another and it turns out he's trying to turn that property into a tennis court. <laughs> yeah, I I'd like to see, you know what I want to see? I want to see a movie where Seth Rogen plays a really rich guy that has contempt for everyone else. Nick Offerman, a nice little spot there, and Vincent D'Onofrio as the as the other what's, rich. What's Nick Offerman's? Oh yeah, he's the other rich guy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, Ken yeah. Griffin from Citadel. He's one yeah, of the guys yeah, yeah. that bailed out. Started with an M. I'm blanking as well. Gabe Plotkin was who Seth Rogen was playing. So whatever his capital firm was was called. I guess these names don't matter too much, but they're all a bunch of. I also thought Pete Davidson was great it was a great cameo yeah he, he's good at playing himself and versions of himself which was great for this movie exactly and as that shithead brother i thought he was fantastic and when it started to get real towards the end when he was arguing with his brother but then started bonding and obviously clearly the whole family's fucked up because they lost a sibling to covid and all that kind of stuff pete davidson's really good at turning serious and turning real like he's not just a jokester like he's an actor. yeah i think he, he's got the same i could see his trajectory to be honest as the jim carrey trajectory of films because he's mm. very good at being silly and physically silly as well as just just moronic but then he can turn quickly on a dime to be pretty serious which is yeah. what jim carrey can do really well i could see him yeah. having the same sort of career as jim carrey did you and I talk about Bupkis at all? Did you watch that yet? No. I, so this is on my on my list of my my massive list of things to watch that you and I talk about. Yeah. But I've not seen Bupkis. I've heard it's very good. I, to yeah. be fair, everything I've seen him in, I think is really good. Yeah, and Bupkis is exactly all of those things. Like it goes from being super silly and hilarious 
to some really dark episodes and he's great in it. Also, Joe Pesci plays his uncle. So just seeing Joe Pesci on TV is awesome. It's very, I highly recommend it. I'm sure there's going to be more seasons coming, but. Where do you think this movie ranks? Because there's a bunch of movies like this, right? Where do you think it sits in that sort of big short, this movie, Wolf of Wall Street, the, the sort of financy, here's the real underbelly of finance movies. Yeah. What what I really loved was it made me think of The Big Short a lot. And Adam McKay, who made The Big Short, I, I love him. He's made a lot of good stuff. I actually don't even think Wolf of Wall Street is in this category. And and here's the category I'm thinking about. Yes, they're all financy Wall Street movies, but Wolf of Wall Street, it gives you sort of a vision into maybe what one guy was or what times were like. But what I love about The Big Short and Dumb Money is it talks about something that is it's a it's the way in which the public are getting actively fucked over in real life every single day you know like it's actually a real problem this is the type of stuff you should be reading about in the news and maybe you did but if you didn't or you didn't fully understand it i love this storytelling medium to be like we're going to make a really fun enjoyable movie cuz you want to enjoy the movies that you watch but at the same time you're going to learn something and i think this is up there with the big short yeah i agree with you like I, when i say i think they're all part of the umbrella of movies about shady deals in in mm. finance but you're right the big short kind of created this new subgenre of satirical like satirical looks at these issues but from the perspective of how are you screwing over the general public all right listen i got one last question for you how are you fucking us have you seen boiler room so I'm so glad you brought that up. I hadn't thought about that until today when I was thinking about this episode. I loved that movie when I was younger. It's I so good. So, yeah. It's so good. What's this? It's also Vin Diesel. It's young Vin Diesel. Yeah. Yeah. It, young. It's, it's Vin Diesel in like a, a suit playing a stockbroker, which is incredible to think about, but it's 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 great to watch. Considering how far he's come in his career and, and who he is in his career, that he was like a, a stockbroker in a suit is hilarious. But one of the ones actually that really, and I'm just, I'm looking up his wiki right now. It was one of his first movies. Granted, he was in five movies before that. None of them you remember. Awakenings, Multifacial Strays. Strays, Multifacial, The Iron Giant. He was a voice, so it's probably not even a real movie. He was in Saving Private Ryan. I'd imagine that was a very small role. So it was one of his first movies. The same year that Pitch Black came out, then the first Fast and the Furious came out a year later. So, And then Triple X in 2002. So the big three Fast years. The first Fast and Furious came three. out a year later after Boiler Room? Yeah. Yeah. 2001. That's not bad. Yeah. So that's when he obviously skyrocketed. That's a really good movie, though. If if yeah. anyone's listening, if you've not watched The Boiler Room, it's a great film to watch. Yeah, I, I was doing some some reading, and apparently Jordan Belfort, The Wolf of Wall Street, believes that that movie is loosely based on him because in that movie they do a similar thing that he was doing, which is scamming investors with penny stocks and just talking things up bigger than they were and whatnot. The makers of Boiler Room don't haven't really agreed to that, but you know that's neither here nor there. Giovanni Ribisi was awesome. I was a big fan of him. Scott Kahn is in there. He plays- Scott Kahn. Yeah, yeah. Scott Kahn was in it. But we're actually forgetting, I think, 
the best scene, the best cameo, the best in the whole thing. Ben Affleck is in there. He's actually the head of the whatever. I was going to say Affleck. Is, for, yeah, there's that amazing scene in the boardroom. Yeah, where he's just going off at everyone. You are the future big swinging dicks of this firm. Now y'all look money hungry, and that's good. Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil doesn't fucking have any. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the fucking smile on my face. Ear to ear, baby. That's not like The Big Short or this movie, but I'm putting it out there. That's definitely on your... If you have to come up with a list of here are my my finance movies your to Wall watch. Your Wall Street movies, that's, yeah. Your yeah. Wall Street movies, that's right up there. Yeah. Like, I'd put all of these above... Like, Wall, the movie Wall Street, like the Michael the Douglas, Michael Charlie Doug- Sheen. Yeah. Classic, but honestly, like, I don't know how you tell me that that's a bigger movie than. So I think Big Wall Short. Street, Wall Wall Street is sort of the. Without Wall Street, it probably takes you a bit longer to get these sorts of movies. It's mm. sort of the it's sort of the foundation, the Plymouth Rock of these sorts mm. of movies. But I agree with you. It's not. It's not. I think now it's not as good as the current films. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's a little bit dated as well. Yeah. I want to go on a bit of a tangent with you. The director of this movie, Craig Gillespie, Aussie kid. He's from Sydney, but he, you know, any, moved to New any York. relation to Jason Gillespie? Nah, dizzy. Nah. Right arm fast. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. He moved. He moved to New York when he was nineteen, though. So maybe he's not so Australian. I, I don't know. He also did I Tonya. He directed I Tonya. Oh, okay. Right. We were talking about Margot Robbie not too long ago. So he's made a couple of movies. It's a good movie, but it it got me thinking. I was like, Craig Gillespie, I, Tanya, Margot Robbie, Barbie. I just watched Barbie not too long ago. I've not seen Barbie yet. Right. I want to watch it. I want to watch it just because everyone talks about it and I really want to watch it. Right. So I'll maybe it's a bit harder to make this point or you won't really have anything to say about it, but Barbie's obviously not about Wall Street, but- Unsurprisingly to you, having not seen it, Barbie is very much about feminism and the role of women and the patriarchy in the world. Now, it's an awesome movie, hilarious, fun, enjoyable, highly recommended, but it's, it was also one of those sort of movies where, you know, you, you might know certain things about the patriarchy or, the fe- or feminism, but it was one of those ones where at the end of it, I was like, ah, oh, I was re- reminded of a few things or even maybe taught a thing or two. And I was like, what is it about movies these these days? It's not just- I know that it's a satire. Did you think it was well-made? I loved it. I loved it. I know you and I, we had a conversation with a friend of ours who shall remain, who, who shall remain nameless, who did not like it. But that aside, I just think it was, a, it was a really fun, good movie. I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't sure, because I don't have a good imagination, what a movie about Barbie could be. But the way they- kind of weaved in the story and brought in all the different Barbies that have existed over the world and made it part of their message. Kate McKinnon is in it, SNL alum. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the unofficial muse of our podcast, but I feel like Margot Robbie is becoming a quick second muse because I feel like we've talked about her a lot. And I, She comes I up a lot. She is making a move to basically being a, not just an absolute bombshell, but also a very, very good producer, actress, filmmaker, where in 10, 15 years, we could be talking about Margot Robbie wins best director or best producer. Like, you know, she's she's making some really good movies. Yeah. I know you are very bullish on old mate Margot and I'm starting to be as well. It wasn't actually until you 
brought that up to me a couple of months ago when you made me realize how many good movies she's in and she's good in good movies. And I was like, oh, actually, like she's 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 a big deal. Yeah. But she's also now making moves. She's making films that are really good. So that I didn't know. Like she's producing stuff. Yeah. Barbie was like her thing. Okay. Right. Oh yeah, it says also producer on Barbie. Gotcha. So she's making she's making moves. Watch this space. What else is she working on? Saltburn, producer only. Can I say yeah. a really cool Margot Robbie cameo is on The Big Short? An amazing Margot Robbie cameo is on The yeah. Big Short. Yeah, which she like explains like mortgage-backed securities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In in a bathtub. I was like, by the way, these risky mortgages are called subprime. So whenever you hear subprime, think shit. This is incredible. <laughs> that was my favorite. It's such a smart thing. way of doing it as well. Yeah. Like, yeah well done. And because there was like three or four of them, right? That that Adam McKay did. And I'd love to talk about Adam McKay for a minute. There was her in a bathtub. There was Anthony Bourdain with pots full of boiling lobster explaining collateralized debt obligations. And there was Selena Gomez at the blackjack table. What a memory you have. <laughs> I just really loved it. And I, I've, I've told this to so many people and, and call these out. Like the, the one at the black, blackjack table was about uh, repackaging securities, I think. But just this idea that concepts that maybe you and I might understand because it may or may not be part of the establishment explained in a way that anyone can understand them. That's why it's such fucking good filmmaking that you can enjoy yourself and actually learn something that you can take away with. Like, I love Adam McKay, dude. Side note, did you even know this? I know you knew Adam McKay worked with Will Ferrell to make Anchorman, Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, like some of Will Ferrell's best movies. Adam McKay used to be head writer at SNL for six years. I did know that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know I that, knew that Adam today. McKay came from. I knew that he was SNL alumni. I actually yeah. didn't know that he made Talladega Nights. Yep, that was him. Is he is he a Will Ferrell collaborator? And was he head writer then when Will Ferrell was around? Probably right. I, I assume there's an overlap. I'll double check that. But yeah, so Gary Sanchez Productions, the production company that you see in the in the credits of all of Will Ferrell's movies, that's Will Ferrell and Adam McKay together. Like all that stuff, the the web the web stuff that they do with Pearl with his daughter, all the funny stuff, the landlord. That's the two of them. They they do like a lot a lot of stuff together. I feel like yeah. then he had to have been there when Will Ferrell was around. He had to have been the head writer or at least a writer when Will Ferrell was around. Yeah, like that that'd be the the connection. Yeah, funny or die, all part of it, right? And he seems to be in his recent movies, like he did obviously the Big Short. He did Don't Look Up. With Le- our mate Leo, did on you watch that? Change I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. I n- I never saw that, so I heard it I got like- panned, which is why I didn't see it. And I don't and I don't want to ruin my Leo DiCaprio mystique. No, Leo was good actually. He plays the he plays the scientist who's losing his freaking mind that the asteroid's about to hit hit the world and nobody cares. It was really good actually. I enjoyed it. I'm biased because I think. You know, climate change is an important thing that 80% of people don't care about. So maybe I liked it because of that. But yeah, I also wouldn't say it was an amazing movie. It's just good that the movie got done and and it got people talking about it, you know. But he did Vice as well with Christian yep. Bale, the movie yep. about Cheney. I didn't see that. So that is, by the, oh, you should watch that. That should be on your list. Vice is right. great. It's a really good movie. Yeah. I think the perfect place to end this conversation about Adam McKay, I should say, 
him and Will Ferrell, executive producers on Succession, which I'm in the middle of watching the fourth season. Will Ferrell's an exec producer on Succession? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Dude, Succession's hilarious. Like, it's a- Succession's brilliant. I think it's an amazing series. I watched- I finished it. I watched it. Yeah. The whole thing- By the way, I'm not done. I'm halfway through season four. I'm a bit late to the party here. I'm very new to the party, which is why I'm so excited about it. But it's Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, executive producers. Granted, there's other writers and other producers, but they're on this. And I think part of the connection here is that it's a story about Rupert Murdoch and Fox News, except, you know- with a different skin on it. So it's like there's something about what McKay likes to work on lately, which is making fun, enjoyable shit where you learn about what's happening in the real world where people are fucking us over. Got dark there for a second. I apologize. No, but, I, I, but- I, I didn't realize that Will Farrell was an exec producer. Yeah. So because um, Jesse, is it Jesse Armstrong is the writer on, he's the writer on Succession mm. and- he also made he's like a british guy and he made a bunch of shows he's he's the guy that made peep show if you ever watched that which was like a british show and he's made like a whole bunch of really funny british comedies then he went on to write succession yeah yeah i so just he's didn't know the- adam mckay was part of this yeah if you look at if if wikipedia is anything to go by as a source of truth Definitely Jesse Armstrong he was the creator and, and and the writer. If you look at producers, Jesse Armstrong's number one, then it shows Will Ferrell and Adam McKay after that. Wh- whatever whatever that means. You'd imagine those guys wouldn't be yeah. on it just for shits and giggles. They have some say, but Jesse Armstrong's baby, I don't want to take credit away from him for that, but just making some connections. Yeah. Cool, man. It, I thought it was a good movie. I think overall, Dumb Money is a really good compliment to a lot of other movies like that. Yeah, um, I, I think it, it must fun. watch. Well, it's honestly, a must with- watch. It's absolutely must wa- must watch. I think it's a must watch only because even if you don't agree, and I'll say this, I watched it, and there's parts of it from a content I don't agree with because there's parts where I'm like, no, I think it does make it look like the people buying GameStop were robbed when in reality, I think a lot of them were dumb money. Like it was kind of stupid to go down that path, but. It doesn't tell the the rest of the story. It just tells like up until the point, or up until one point. It doesn't tell like actually what happened after everyone lost all their money. But having said that, it's a really good movie to watch. I yeah. thought it was really fun. If anything, it should make you weary about buying stuff on Robin Hood. We didn't even talk about Sebastian Stan as Vlad Tenev. The Robin oh, yeah, Hood guy. That I was forgot. Hilarious. I yeah. forgot he's in that. Yeah. That was great. He was great as that as well. Like, you, oh, he's yeah. a slime bag. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good, yeah. he could play a lot of good slime bags. Since we're talking about financial advice here, and I would say, you know, don't buy individual stocks, don't use Robin Hood. I think we're obliged to say that this is not financial advice. Please speak to a financial advisor. This is definitely not financial advice. And if you tuned in to listen to this because you want financial advice, you have bigger problems. You've come to the wrong place. You've come to the wrong place. (laughs) Ruben, thank you, mate. Mate, this is good fun. I'm going to go off and buy some more meme meme stocks. (laughs) To the moon, baby. To To the the moon. moon.